Welcome to another episode of Channel with the Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actionable steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. One of the biggest challenges that young professionals face is how to go from being an individual contributor and into a management role where you manage your own team. It is similar to the issue where you are a recent grad and you have limited to no work experience. So it goes back to that problem of, I need work experience, but nobody's willing to give me that work experience. And tying it back to the issue of being promoted to a team management role, you want to be a team manager, but you've never managed anybody. So the guest that I brought on for this episode, she will be discussing how she was able to successfully go from an individual contributor to her first role in team management. And her name is Ilona Polonovsky. So a little bit about Ilona. She is currently a manager in business solutions at Blue Cross Shield. And she was born and raised in Belarus and at the age of 18 moved to Chicago where she earned her bachelor's degree from Lolola University. She then went on to also earn a master's degree from DePaul University where she sat as an alumni board member and have been mentoring students for the past four years. She has extensive experience in the healthcare industry and still currently lives in Chicago with her husband and three kids. And the things she likes to do in her spare time is exploring the city, doing outdoor activities and reading. Now let's get into my discussion with Ilona on how to go from an individual contributor to a team manager. One of the biggest obstacles when it comes to career growth is the lack of experience that one has to get to the next level. So for example, if you're a recent grad, you have the education, but you don't have the experience. I'm sure anyone listening has that rejection before. And then another example is you have the work experience, but you never had team management experience. So that also is stifling your career growth. So to help us help you progress to the next level, even though you don't have the right experience for that next level, I brought in Ilona, who has recently been able to land a managerial position. And she's going to share her career journey on how she was able to land the first managerial role of her career and provide some strategies and insights to help you get there if you're in a similar situation. So Ilona, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. So Why don't you walk us through in terms of your career path? So you started your career as a business analyst. So what made you decide to start your career off as a business analyst compared to like other types of roles that could be a fit for your education? Sure. So during my senior year at my undergrad college, that's when I started to really think about the path that I want to take in my professional life. And I know people usually jump between industries or between different areas, and that's not a problem for them. But for myself, I wanted to narrow my scope and become a true professional within one specific field. So a few of my professors recommended I go further for in my 
my educational endeavors and specifically getting my master's degree. But I still struggle to find what area, what industry I would prefer to go. And my husband actually helped me in that. He was my mentor throughout my college years. He helped me to lay out different options and get an idea of what I wanted to do. And we agreed that my master's degree would be the ideal if I studied marketing analysis, which was a degree that combined marketing side as well as technical side of business. As I was studying in business school, I worked as an intern at a nonprofit organization in communication and marketing field. And at that point, it was not easy to find an internship. And I wanted to get a feel of real world experience and apply what I was learning during my business school years. So that's how I started my career as an analyst. And um, after I graduated from business school, I decided to follow my husband's industry, which was healthcare. So I spent about three months applying to different healthcare companies. And after many rejections, many rejections, I finally landed two offers. One was at the company that I really wanted to work for, that was Blue Cross Blue Shield, and then another one was a research company, Nielsen, which handled some of the healthcare initiatives, but not as many and not as concentrated as Blue Cross. So my pick was easy, and I went with Blue Cross Blue Shield, and seven years later, I'm still a proud employer of that company. So, and, and I just wanted to say that if you are trying to navigate kind of like that area of trying to find yourself, I would definitely recommend talking to your colleagues, to your professors, to your mentors, to gather their perspective on where they see you. And then you have different options on the table to pick from. Even if you don't agree, you don't have to follow their advice, but at least you can see, look at yourself from through others' eyes. So I noticed in your educational history that you went from bachelor's to master's right away. What made you decide to do that instead of taking a break? Like in terms of usually like business professionals, they do their bachelor's, they work a few years, then they take their master's, but you went and took your master's right away at DePaul. So explain your reasoning for that. Originally, I, I thought I will graduate from Loyola University, I'll take a break, I'll go work, I'll see how if I need to get my master's. But my professors actually advised that I go straight from my master's degree, straight into the business school and don't take a break. They said that because on this wave of studying, it will be easier for me to graduate sooner. So I actually got my master's degree in one year while having an internship for a year. Great. And you told us that Blue Cross Blue Shield is your like dream company, right? It's your, one of the companies that you want to work for, correct? Yes. Yeah. So for a recent grad that is trying to find themselves, how were you able to find out that this was the right company for you compared to like all, like for example, like Nielsen, like what made you decide to go with this company? So originally I was just applying everywhere because I had student loans piling up. I had rent due. So I needed my grace period was not for that long. So I needed to find a job. And originally I was applying different companies, marketing companies. And while I was going through different interviews, I was getting a feel of how different areas, different industries work. At some interviews, I was finding myself thinking, do I really want to be at this company? Even though 
that's a potential employee of mine or mission may align with mine. I was thinking then that duties do not really reflect what I wanted to do in life. And for my professional aspirations, I was focusing more on bringing something to society, to communities. And that's when I started to focus more on healthcare companies and specifically Blue Cross and Blue Shield. I would apply, get rejected, then I kept track of postings to see if anything pops up that might interest me while going to interviews at other companies as well and not wasting time. So you were at Urban Gateways for a year before you moved on to Blue Cross Blue Shield and you you did get rejections from Blue Cross Blue Shield, right? But you you eventually were able to get in the door. Mm -hmm. So what made you realize that it wasn't really your lack of experience, more like improving yourself in the interview process and communicating better compared to like, maybe I should stay a bit longer before I try to make a move. Absolutely. Being good at interviews is a crucial skill. It's a very important skill. And unfortunately, I learned it while interviewing, building my resume. Over the summer, I I changed it so many times to see what works, how to present myself in a better way. And since I applied to different industries, I wanted my resume to be tailored to that specific industry. So I had so many different variations of my resume, my cover letter, and of course, my skills, my interviewing skills became much better as I progressed through different interviews at different companies. And actually, when I scored my job at Blue Cross Blue Shield, that was September. And I think that was one of the last interviews that I had. And I got an offer. How long was the interview process when you started as a market research analyst there? The interview process was very lengthy. I think it was a four-round interview process, and I interviewed with the recruiter, then I interviewed with three managers, and then senior leader. So recruiter interview plus four professional interviews. And the whole process took from September, and my hire date was early November, so a month and a half. How did the interviews differ between like the recruiter and then the, the managers as you move up through the rounds? I know like recruiters tend to be the screeners mm-hmm. you qualify, but how does that differ from the rest of the process? Absolutely. So each interview had its own objectives. For the recruiter interview, they want to see if you're a good fit to the job description, but they don't know the job itself. So you can only ask some of the questions about the company, general questions. And then when I met with... Um, three different managers, that's when I got uh, a sense of my daily duties and what I needed to do on a daily basis. And each manager had their own scope of work, which differed from each other. And then, of course, senior leader kind of like approved the final approval, the final sign-off on on me as an employee, which included some of the general questions about mission of the company and seeing myself at the company, short-term goals, long-term goals, and not so much of specific questions for daily duties. So it was you say it was a lengthy process, right? So how did you know that you were still in the running? Did you like follow I, up? I or? didn't know. That's a great question. I didn't know. I kept searching. I kept applying. That's how I got another offer from Nielsen. And I actually, I thought I Blue Cross didn't want me because I had four uh, interviews. And then there was a long pause for about 
two and a half weeks and um, I took it as a no and I was progressing through my interviews with Nielsen and I thought I would be with Nielsen but then I got a call from Blue Cross making an offer and Nielsen made an offer and that was my happiest day. (laughs) So in terms of the offers how did you balance because this was like pre-COVID, right? So you, you can't just do a Zoom interview and like get the job, right? Mm-hmm. So you had to go to the companies and do like in person. So how did you balance that? Like preparing, you work a full-time job. You also have to prepare for these interviews. So how did you balance still doing your work well while preparing for the interview to help you get to the next level? Sure. So at that time, I did not have my internship ended when I got my degree. So that was the end of it. I had a contract for one year as an intern. So I did not have a job and looking for a job was my full-time job. From morning till night, I would make sure my resume was polished. I was tailoring cover letters. I was searching for job openings. I was researching companies, getting ready for the interviews, learning about those companies. So I was spending seven days a week getting ready for interviews and applying. How much time should you spend on preparing for an interview per company, uh, roughly? Like, how, how would you prepare, actually? I would say on and off about two, three days. So first of all, I wanted to make sure that I'm up to date with the company portfolio, what clients they have, what projects they work on any news that they are being any mergers, any acquisitions, what they're doing in community, any volunteer work they do, and just making sure that if there is any specific information available about specific teams, learn about those teams and see what I can contribute to them. And then tailoring all of your experience, just yourself in general, to feed that narrative, to feed that company and prove them that they want you, they need you, and this is what you will contribute to the team and to the company overall. Got it. Okay. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you did a couple roles uh, after as a market research analyst. You moved to senior analyst and then senior business consultant. So did you have to apply for these jobs or were they an opportunity that your manager at the time wanted to give you? Sure. One was a promotion and then another one was a transfer. I did apply and got transferred to another team. So, and I want to provide a little bit of background on that. So for the first three years in the healthcare industry, I was just absorbing and learning as much as I could. I tried to be exposed to many different projects, many different initiatives. I wanted variety of tasks, broader scope of responsibilities and duties. So I would say naturally I was craving knowledge, experience, and I did let my management know about it. That helped me build a very robust foundation for my future career development. And after three years, I was promoted to a senior analyst and two or three years later, I hit a glass ceiling where I was doing my job, my work with my eyes closed. I did not feel challenged anymore. So I decided to make a switch and see what other teams are doing. And I did apply for a senior consultant position on another team, which I was offered. And I actually skipped a consultant level. So the idea that I learned was to never get too comfortable where you can do your tasks with your eyes closed or when you no longer feel challenged. 
if you feel that way, that's a red flag that you need to get up, you need to move on, look around and challenge yourself. And I really like to compare it to, uh, to a couch analogy and I always share it with my friends. So imagine you get a brand new couch and it's nice and firm and comfy and then with time it just starts to sag a little bit but it, it makes it even more comfortable. And you get your TV remote and your snacks and it's so nice and cozy and you just want to stay here and not to move anywhere and take a nap. And that's when you need to get up and go shop for a brand new couch, a nicer one, more expensive one. And nobody likes to do that. And that's how I felt in that role. And that's how some people feel. I know that the uncertainty and change, they're uncomfortable. But the best solution here is to do one step at a time. So go update your resume. Then a week later, you can look around and see if there is any job opportunity that you might like, talk to teammates, talk to colleagues, see what other teams are doing, and then start applying. And slowly but surely, you will move through interviews. You will be making right steps in your career development. And also develop connections. Networking is a great opportunity to see what's out there. I had a really nice connection in HR who actually helped me sort out some of the jobs that were slightly misleading. So I'm glad I didn't waste my time and hiring team time on applying and uh, interviewing. When you were a senior analyst, you worked there for a, a few years and then you realized that you weren't really challenged. And mm-hmm. as you said, you, did, you could do the job in your sleep. So how did you find like various opportunities at the company? Like what made you decide to go to the senior business consultant route? Did you like interview with people? Did you do informational interviews with people in that position or did you like did you do interviews research and other departments to see what's a good fit so how did you find that this is the role that I wanted to go with Sure so by that time I felt as um over my six years at the company, I knew people in different areas through different business resource groups through networking different events and that was all uh, pre-pandemic and I did talk to some of my colleagues some of my friends at, at, at the company who would tell me about different teams and who's working on what different initiatives fund projects and there was a particular team that really draw my attention it, it was a big team and they always were looking for people since people were migrating from role to role so they did have a few openings and they actually told me that that would be a great area for me to join and the same way people would say that oh you should steer away from a specific group they are really overwhelmed with the work with the projects with budgeting so gathering that information internally and making a strategic move that's what benefited me in in landing that job usually people when they want to make a change to to a different field they tend to want to default to going externally you want the internal route so what type of advice would you give professionals that are not challenged they know the job well, but instead of looking internally, they end up going externally. So how should someone evaluate what decision to make in terms of whether pivoting internally or just making a move uh, external? Yeah, look around. That actually happened to me this month. I was looking around. I was looking internally 
and externally. If you really love your company, if you really love the mission and the culture and your colleagues and teams within the company, you can definitely keep monitoring internal postings and see if anything fits you well. If not, keep searching externally as well. Even informationally, search around, see what other industries are doing. So that would be my advice to just keep looking around. Never sit in one place comfortably. Get up, look, network, and see what's out there. Even if you're not going to make a switch, just get yourself educated on opportunities that exist. Great. And usually when it comes to big companies, they actually promote lateral moves to other departments just to help with the retention and upping the professional skill set. So how did you have this conversation with your manager uh, in terms of, hey, I, I want to do something else? Like, was there a bit of conflict or was your manager very encouraging of you wanting to make a move? So my manager was very encouraging of my professional development. And unfortunately, they can only do so much. And of course, they would prefer me to stay. And I was asked if there is anything they can do to make me stay. But I have to think of myself and my career aspirations, my professional goals, and the best move for me was to leave. All right. And in terms of the roles that you've done, analyst and consultant, what are the varying differences in terms of like what you enjoy as an analyst and what did you enjoy as a consultant? Sure. So when I was an analyst, my duties were more technical. I would spend a lot of time working in different software tools, programs, creating reports, reporting them out. And as a consultant, I found myself making more business decisions, working on work plans and creating workflows, process improvements. So that would be the main difference between an analyst and a consultant. Great. So now let's move to your most recent phase in your career, which is now being a manager. So what's the official title for you? So I am a manager in program development in commercial markets. And how did you decide that it was time to make the next move to a managerial role? Sure. So I have to give some of the credit to my professional network and my colleagues at the company. While I was enjoying being an individual contributor and mentoring business school students in my free time, that was fulfilling my professional aspirations. But at one point, I started mentoring my colleagues too. And that is when I knew that I want to manage a team. In addition to my individual contributor skills, I wanted to help others achieve great results for the company and for the individual professional development. And I'm a people person and I love working in a team. So one month later, I had two offers on the table, both for the managerial role. One was with Blue Cross Blue Shield within the Blue Cross Blue Shield system, uh, which is an association company. And then another one was with a competitor. Wait, so did you apply to the competitor and the competitor reached out or did the yes. competitor just reach out to you? Uh, oh, so you applied, yes, right? Yes, I applied. Okay. Mm -hmm. So all your experience at this point was as an individual contributor. So how did you tailor your resume to make it more managerial focus? Sure. So if you want a few specific positions at a few specific companies, like in my case, Tailoring your resume is the key to getting noticed by a recruiter. So over my eight years of professional work, professional life, I have worked on many different projects that widely ranged in scope. So 
important, relevant achievements might get lost among other skills and accomplishments that we accumulate over the years. So I try to have a laser focus on the items that would help me get to the interview stage. Yes, it's time consuming, but at the end of the day, you will be rewarded with a job that you really want, the company that is the first one on your top list. Cover letter is crucial too, at least I think so. It helps you drift away from the strictly structured resume layout and add a personality touch to the application. So I'm a big fan of cover letters, but I know that they don't always make their way through to the hiring managers. And in terms of the interview process, was there any doubt of your abilities to manage a team as you haven't managed a team before? No. So during the interview, I was actually, I was able to really explain and elaborate on my skills, on my people's skills. I have been mentoring Paul business students for four years. And then as I was mentoring my colleagues and as a team lead, you already do some of the tasks that managers do. So I was able to clarify all of that during the interview. And despite lack of actual managerial experience in a title, I had all the skills that needed to lead a team. It's great that you mentioned that because a manager that isn't managing people because like a good manager is also a good leader. So in your interviews, I'm assuming that you showed your leadership qualities in terms of like mentoring like business students and mentoring your colleagues. And a good manager helps coach and mentor people to get them to be better, right? So I think that's how you were able to position your experience to get to that next level that you're in, right? That's right. Absolutely. And have you started your role as a, a manager now? Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. How long have you been managing right now? A, f- a few days. <laughs> A few days? Oh, yeah. so it just started. All yes. right. So let's take a step back. So you've got the job. So did you get offers from, well, obviously you got the offer from Blue Cross, Blue Shield. Did you also get the offer from your competitor? Yes, I did. So how did you evaluate whether to stick around or decide to go with the competitor? Like what, what was the evaluation process? So I really preferred to stay within the system, within Blue Cross system, since I already knew all of the processes and procedures and standards. And I felt as my knowledge within Blue System was so strong and would be better suited within the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association rather than going into a competitor. So, and as I mentioned, I had a top list of the companies and the company where I am right now was higher on the list than the competitor. So that made my decision. Once you decided that you were going to go with Blue Cross Blue Shield, how did you mentally prepare for your next move as a manager for the first time? So my brother gave me a great book suggestion. It's called The Making of a Manager by Julie Zhao. And her premise is great managers are made, not born. And as she offers a variety of tips and suggestions on how to be the best manager you can be. In her book, she refers to another great book, High Output Management, which is written by Andy Grove, who is a former CEO of Intel. That's the company that makes microchips for computers. So his book is very well known among senior leaders and C-level folks who adapted many of his principles at big, big companies, especially in Silicon Valley. It's like an MBA degree in one book. 
and it summarizes all of the secrets, how to manage a team and how to deliver results. It's not easy and it's a long process, but it's definitely worth striving for and becoming, of course, the best version of yourself, the best manager you can be. You just started for a few days. So obviously reading these books, there's a lot of content. So mm-hmm. how are you like planning your execution for, let's say, the next few months to make sure you're not being overwhelmed? Yeah, absolutely. So highly recommend listening as much as you can, asking questions as much as you can. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm reading from early morning to late night, getting to know all of the policies, all of the procedures, getting to know the team, getting to know the projects, and building that foundation of knowledge where you feel comfortable actually jumping in and managing the team, making improvements, making changes and improving, making more efficient anything that may not be working. Of course, not hindering if anything is going smoothly and just encouraging improvements and enhancements. I'm assuming you you met all the people that you're managing right now. We're actually still hiring. Oh, Mm -hmm. they're still hiring. Okay. So have you met, you met your team members now, right? The ones that you're managing? I met one person and one we're hiring. Okay. So how did you onboard yourself with this team member? So how did you introduce yourself to like build the rapport with this team member that you'll be managing for the future? Sure. So number one is to be open, to be honest, to be direct and not be in this, I would say, condescending role, but have your reports, your team to teach you what they can and walk you through some of the challenges, some of the issues, some of the projects that they are working on and kind of like helping you on board as a manager. And of course, after that, it's very important to make sure that you have one-on-one time with each of the team members, any adjacent teams to learn the business, learn the team. They already have culture established. They already have their own routine established. So making sure that you are smoothly, seamlessly transitioning into that space without disrupting anything, And as I mentioned, listening and asking questions in the beginning, that's the key. Great. And I want to rewind a little bit. Uh, In terms of the interview process, were there any differences in the interview process between an individual contributor and getting your manager role? Or was it the same type of behavioral questions? Sure. So the end goal of the individual contributor is to succeed in managing an initiative or a project. So all of the interview questions are focused on that, while the end goal of a manager is to help the team succeed in that task. So all of the behavioral questions focus on how will you do that? How will you excel in leading the team to successfully achieve the goals? So knowing how to lead the team, how to manage it, how to navigate through obstacles, That's what the interview is tailored towards. As a manager, I like to say any failure of the team should be taken as your failures. And then any success of the team should be taken as success of individual contributors. So I think that's the right way to think about it, especially going into people manager roles. And looking at your LinkedIn profile, you've obviously still continue learning you got your bachelor's, you got your master's. You also decided to take your PMP, which was completed last fall. So with all that being said, do you think like these experiences, these certifications have helped you become where you are today? 
Yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of my former managers came to me and said, hey, I think you should take the PMP certification. You will benefit from it. And I was already working as a project coordinator on some of the projects, and I knew a lot of the things from PMP. And learning its official structure and procedures sounded like a great idea to me. As I mentioned, I'm a big fan of professional and personal development, and my knowledge any knowledge that I can add under my belt, I'm all for it. So as of right now, I think getting my PMP was the smartest decision that I made. It teaches you not only to manage projects, but how to deal with people, different divisions, departments, clients, products in general. Honestly, I skipped a few chapters here and there as uh, I felt I knew pretty well about those topics, but some chapters, I kept rereading them over and over again because there was new information that was very interesting to me. And PMP very nicely filled all of the gaps that I had in knowledge of my project management skills, and it polished my skills very well. So if your company covers the expenses, don't even think twice. Go for it, get a book, study, sign up for the exam, and take it. You bring up a good point in terms of like an educational allowance for the company can provide you. So how would you have that conversation with your manager? Say, hey, I'm interested in taking this course, but it's X amount of dollars. How would you be able to have a good conversation with your manager in order to get potential funds for it, right? So PMP, my manager actually came to me and offered that, but I was initiator of a few other classes and courses. And I usually create a one-pager with a justification why I want to take it and how I will benefit from it and how my team will benefit from it. So yeah, create a one-pager with the objectives and send it out to your manager. And after that, just wait for the decision. And mostly, more often, it's yes than no. Just to provide a brief overview for people who are interested in getting the PMP. So how does it work? Do you need a certain amount of hours before you can take the exam? And how would you prepare for the exam? to make sure that you're well prepared to pass it? Sure. So I think you need about five years of experience working in project management. After that, while when you pass that requirement, as well as some educational requirement, I think they require at least bachelor degree. The best way is to get a book and study. Just read it. Highlight any topics, any chapters that you feel you need to revisit. And there are so many tools online, free exam simulators that you can use to get a feel of the actual exam and get ready. And I think it's I spent about two months getting ready for the exam and I took and I passed it. I was very happy. That's not an easy exam. It's very time consuming. It was three or four hours. I remember by the third hour, I couldn't wait to to be done with it. Some of the questions are very situational and you need to strategically think through some of them technical some of them math questions when you're not allowed to bring a calculator. But if you read through the book, the PIMBAC book, you will be in a good shape to take the exam. Was the exam all multiple choice or was it a mix of like multiple choice and like written answer? All multiple choice. But the thing is, the tricky thing is that all of the questions can be right. But you need to select the one that is the best fit, which is the first thing you would do or the top priority that you would do. But 
most of the answers that typically all could be correct answers. Do they throw this curveball where it's like, answer A, B, C, it could be A and B, it could be A and C, do they yes. do that? Oh, throw you yes. off? Yeah. oh, they do throw you off. Oh, that's, that's yeah. tough. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So just to end this conversation off in terms of the PMP, so if you do have that type of like answer options, how should one evaluate it? So the best way is to put yourself in the shoes of the person they're talking about, about the project manager, and think what your actions would be, what the first thing you would do, what the top priority you would do. And even put aside all of your professional experience because they want you to act as the book tells you to do. Some of the industries don't have steps that they skip or they can do uh, multiple steps at the same time. You have to unlearn that, forget that, and focus on the book and the right official way to do things. And if you are hesitant between two choices and based on your experience, you want to lean to, towards answer B, but based on the book, you think it's answer A, go with the A. The book is always right. Great. And I want to end our discussion with uh, one last question for you. So this podcast is about interviewing experts in various fields on how they've overcome a big career challenge or roadblock that they were able to overcome and pass to get to where they are today. So my question to you is, can you describe a time that you had a big career challenge or roadblock? What did you do to overcome it and be the person you are today? I think the biggest obstacle that I had was discouragement that I got after I got my bachelor degree, I got my master's degree, I got my internship under my belt. I think I even had some kind of certification and I was looking for a job and I kept getting rejections. And for three months, I applied to hundreds of jobs and I wasn't getting anything. And making sure that you get the support from your family, from your friends, to make sure that you get up and go look and go update your resume one more time, one more day. You, you open another company's web page. You keep learning about them. You keep looking at the job descriptions, studying them, applying, tailoring your resume. So making sure to keep going, not giving up and looking for that perfect opportunity and not settling. If you're not happy with something, don't settle for it. Keep searching, keep looking until you find where you exactly you want to be. That's a great point, Ilona. And I really appreciate you coming on the show to discuss your career journey and how you were able to successfully pivot from an individual contributor to a manager. So how can people connect with you to learn more about your experience and if they want to seek guidance on helping them get to the next level of going from an individual contributor to a manager? So the best way to get in touch with me is through LinkedIn. So if anyone has any questions or needs advice or guidance, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm always happy to help. My number one advice would be to always look around, talk to your friends, talk to your colleagues. They always have perspective on different companies, different areas. They may recommend a company that you never thought of, or maybe an industry that you thought you will not be a good fit, but they think you will excel in it. So keeping an open mind and researching the market, knowing what's out there would be my 
biggest advice. And Max, of course, thanks to you for all of your tips and suggestions. I follow you on LinkedIn and you, in the moment of discouragement, I remember I saw your post where you tell employees not to give up, be their own advocates during offer process and onboarding process. So thank you, Max, for being a guide to everybody on LinkedIn and encouraging people to advocate for themselves and be scoring, landing those best jobs that they are dreaming of. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Ilona. And I'm glad that my content was able to give you that encouragement and that guidance to get to where you are today, which is your first managerial role of your career. I wish you best of luck in terms of doing well as a first-time manager. And again, really appreciate you sharing your insights and best of luck in your first role as a manager. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you again to Ilona for spending some time with us to discuss her journey from successfully going from an individual contributor to a team managerial role. She is a perfect example of working hard while also building relationships and the right contacts in order to get to the next level. And I hope anybody listening to this episode got some great guidance and advice from her in order for you to get to the next level of your career if you're trying to go from an individual contributor to a team management role. And again, this is a perfect example of networking effectively. And it shows that you do not have to reinvent the wheel to get to where you want to go. There is bound to be somebody out there that is where you want to go. So reach out to them, have a informational discussion with them, ask them questions about their career journey and how they got to where they are. So you can create your own career journey roadmap that's straightforward because you're talking to somebody that has done it before, helping you avoid countless mistakes when it comes to you trying to get to the next level. To hear my personal recap of the show, as well as providing my own insights and advice on this topic, make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday on all popular podcast platforms. Again, this is Chan with The Plan of the Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening. <laughs>